Okay, good. I couldn't hear it myself. All right. Well, good morning, Warehouse Church. It's so good to see everyone this morning. Uh, and those listening online, uh, my name is Britton, and I am the, the youth leader here. I help with, uh, I run the student ministry here for our middle school and high school students. Uh, and again, I'm filling in uh, as we continue to look for our new pastor. But we are in week three of our series on Jonah. Uh, and so if you, haven't, if you haven't heard our previous messages, that's all right. We'll get you caught up today. So, so, so far we've seen God uh, call upon Jonah. He had a vision for Jonah and he told him, hey, I need you to go preach to this city of Nineveh. Now, Jonah was not a fan of the Ninevites. In fact, he hated those people. So instead of Jonah following what God had instructed him to do, he ran in the opposite direction. And he ran towards the city of Tarshish. So Jonah tried to outrun God, but God didn't allow it. As Jonah was on, a, on the boat uh, on his way to the other city, this great storm came. And Jonah agreed to the sailors, say, hey, this is my fault. Just throw me overboard. God wasn't done with him. And he allowed a great fish to swallow him and take him in the direction that he needed to go. During that time, we saw last week inside of the fish that that was how God was showing mercy to Jonah. And Jonah cried out using psalms of praise saying, all right, God, prepare me to follow your plan. And God delivered Jonah to that dry land to preach his word. So before we kind of follow, we pick up on chapter 3, before we start reading his word, I want to go ahead and open up in prayer. Thank you, heavenly and gracious Father for another wonderful day. Thank you for the opportunity just to reach out and, and, and call your name. I thank you for each and every one of those people who are here today or listening online. Uh, I just ask that uh, I can get out of the way and, and allow your words to, to work through me. God, I invite the Holy Spirit in uh, to take away any of our distractions that we have outside of these walls so that we can focus in on what you have for us today. God, I ask that you touch each and every person here. I don't think any of us are here by mistake. And I ask that you, you, you give me the words to work through me uh, to make an impact on today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so we're going to pick up here in chapter 3. And here's what it says. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. So Jonah finds himself in this, this familiar place. Right? God gave Jonah a mission, and, God, and Jonah tried to decline this mission. He wasn't willing to take this mission on, but God would not allow him to outrun him. God had that mission, and he was going to ensure that Jonah was going to follow it. And I fully believe that for us in here, God has a plan for each and every one of us. But I also believe he gives us a free will. He gives us he gives us the opportunity to make our, our own choices. And, no, and for me, I know there was a calling on me to become a teacher at a, at a younger age. The first signs were there that I remember as an eighth grader. I started tutoring a student, and, and after I tutored the student in math, his grades really started to improve. And I'll not forget, I was sitting, my dad worked at the school as well. And his mom came in and said, B should be a teacher when he's older. And I thought about that. Right? I went through high school thinking, I should probably be a teacher. And I thought about it, but I also thought about money. So I decided, first of all, no, education is not going to be for me. 
So when I went to college, I kind of jumped around from major to major. I was really good at math, so I was like, well, if I'm good at math, then I have to do engineering. But I just wasn't fulfilled in that. And then for a second, one semester, I jumped to education. And then I remembered, no, I like money, so I can't do that. So then I jumped to business, and I was almost finished with that. And then uh, my wife and I got married, and very quickly, within that same, what, 10 days before our first wedding anniversary, Kaylee arrives. And I was given a job opportunity to move my family to Somerset, and I was selling jewelry. I was running a jewelry store. Um, while we were in Somerset, I kept feeling this urge that, hey, there's something more for your life than just jewelry sales. So we began attending the church there, and, um, you know, God has a way to work things out. And we, we literally, I just, my wife and I had been talking, and I was like, I really want to do something more. I want to help some way. And, you know, like I said, we were newer attendees of this church. We didn't really know what was going on. It was a very large church. And we literally walk in that Sunday morning, and they're handing out cotton candy. They're handing out popcorn. They're having a volunteer fair. And it was just this big carnival-like scene. And I was like, all right, I got you, God. Like, okay, you, the signs are clear here. So I, I remember walking up to the booth and, and talking to a couple there who, who were over the high school students at that time. And they're like, we've been praying for you all. We knew you all were new. At that time, we were a younger couple, right? We were in our 20s then. And they're like, we wanted a younger couple to kind of come in and help. And I, and I absolutely just love being able to be a part of that. But I'm going to be fully transparent with you. I was a nervous wreck, right? We, on Wednesday nights, we had usually over 100 high school students show up to service on Wednesday night. And I'll never forget this. I, I was really good at, at talking and building up relationships. I was good to like to be there to listen to them. I was really good at beating them up during basketball. But the one thing I didn't want to do was I would stand in the back. And, I, and I, I remember this feeling. They would preach the word. And we had a lot of students respond. And I would be in the back and I would just be kind of just staring off because I did not want... I did not want our, the youth pastor to call on me to come pray with them. I was nervous. I was like, I don't know how, how to pray with another student. What if they want to give their life to God? What would I even say? What would I even do? And it, it got to the point that I finally, I was just like, okay, I, if I'm going to do this, I've got to figure this out. So I was really transparent, and we were getting ready to go to summer camp. And they've been really building up this summer camp, and they're like, listen, we got to get everyone on the same page. we got to get everyone on board because at summer camp, we have a lot of students respond to, to the God's word. So I finally was very transparent. And I said, listen, Alan, I don't, I don't know what to say. I don't, I, don't know, I don't know how to present the gospel. I don't know how to, to save someone. And he reassured me that you can't save anyone. There's nothing that you can do or say to save them. But he gave, me the, he gave me a copy of the Romans Road. He said, listen, if you have a student that, that wants to ask God in their life, use this template. Use these verses. Pray with them. Talk to them about this. And actually, to this day, I have that link 
on my phone. It's one of my shortcuts so that if it ever comes up, because I still feel like, I, what do I say? That's such a big decision, right? But as, so then I want to kind of fast forward. And, and I still felt this calling of God that I should do more, right? That this wasn't enough. And, and while we were in Somerset, my whole life got turned completely upside down. And during this time, I was very lucky to have a church family that lifted me up. And, and they were there for me and they built me up. And I, I grew closer to God during that time than I, know, than I think I've ever felt. I was able to, to join them in a, in a mission trip to Guatemala. And, you know, that just, you know, being what, as they call the hands and feet of Jesus, I never felt closer. But then that calling came back. And it's like, B, you were not meant to sell jewelry. Like, you've got to do something different. And I didn't know, I didn't know what to do. I didn't know how to go about this. And so as I was studying Jonah... I couldn't help but look back at this verse and think, here I am, back to square one, back in college after all of these years, back to what you wanted and commanded me to do. Right? I, I tried to follow the path that I wanted. I tried to follow success in other ways. And I begged God to use me, but I wasn't being used in the way that he wanted me to do. So if you're especially like me, and especially how I was, I pray, God, use me. I'm willing to do what it is you want. God, work in me and through me. I'm yours. But, but I don't want to do that, right? Like I kept saying, yeah, I'm, I'm willing to do whatever you want, but I can't go back to school, right? Like how, how would I even do that? So we're often like Jonah. We want to return to God. We want to worship him and be used by him. But guess what? God seldom allows us to go to step two until we've completed step one. Right? So he doesn't say, well, you, you neglected to do what I asked you to do before. But that's okay. Let's just skip and move on. And that's where I was in, kind of in my life. Like I was wanting to play this bigger role in this youth group and and be inspiring to these students to show them that, hey, you know, God loves you. But I wasn't, I wasn't doing the steps I needed to to lead up to that, right? And, and as Christians, God wants, us to, God wants to give us direction in our life. But we aren't always willing to do the simple things, right? And, and maybe if you're like me, like sometimes you struggle reading the Bible, right? I'm a math person. I hate reading. So reading the Bible it's hard for me because I'm not good with words, right? If it was a book of numbers, I got this. But it, the words are hard for me to understand. And then maybe you're like me and, and prayer isn't always the center of everything for you, right? And maybe so prayer may be hard. Maybe it's coming to church and getting here on time because you've got a four-year-old running around yelling as he was this morning apparently saying, we got to hurry, we're going to be late, Right, we, they're un, they're unpredictable, right? So, so maybe, maybe that's your struggle. And I'm not great at all of these things, but I know I feel a difference within me when I am when I am doing these. So Jonah wants to move on with God, but God reminds him there will be no moving on until he does what God asks. 
So we go back and says, Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim it to the message I give you. And see, this is different than what God commanded him in chapter 1. See, in 1-1, one, one, God told Jonah to preach against the city because of its great wickedness. This gives us this idea that, that maybe God was going to destroy this city of Nineveh, right? Because in the Old Testament, we see that time after time, right? We see that with Noah and the great flood, how he destroys the world because of its great wickedness. We see that in Sodom and Gomorrah when he destroys those cities for their wickedness. So Jonah's kind of on the boat now. He's like, all right, I'll go preach your word, thinking I hate these people. I'll share your word, and then you can destroy them. But here God tells Jonah, go and preach to Nineveh the message I will give you. So verse 3, Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord, went to Nineveh. Now Nineveh was a very large city, and it took three days to go through it. So Nineveh was this large and wicked city. Uh, it was roughly like 60 miles in circumference. Had, it had 120,000 people within the city. And it was said that, that the gates and the, the wall around Nineveh was, was so large that you could actually race three chariots around it. So Jonah is now obeying God. He is about to go into the city to proclaim the message that God gave him. Now, bear with me, because in order to, to tell you and talk about the sermon that Jonah gives them, I have to also read his entire sermon. All right, so just bear with me here. So verse 4, Jonah began by going a day's journey into the city, proclaiming, 40 more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. That was his message, his entire sermon. 40 more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. Eight English words. His entire sermon to a city of 120,000 people to this wicked city. 40 more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. And it's actually in, in the Hebrew time, in the Hebrew language, this was only five words. This is all he spoke. So some believe that this message warned people, saying you have 40 days to get it right or Nineveh will be destroyed. Uh, however, I kind of take this in a different way. Jonah's given them the bare minimum of a message. He, this message is far less than even the message that he gave to the sailors when they threw him off, off the ship. right? Because during that time, there's the, they're in the middle of the storm and they're like, they're praying to all these different gods and, and they're all praying to these different gods asking him to save them. And then Jonah awakes from his sleep and saying, hey, throw me over. It's the God of heaven and earth who's causing this storm. But Jonah was reluctant to go to Nineveh, and he had a hatred for these people. So maybe Jonah's hoping that, that they'll be destroyed if he just gives them the bare minimum of what God tells him. And some of you are like, well, well how could he do this, right? Like we followed through his story, and, you know, Jonah tried to outrun him, and God caused this great storm, and Jonah was overthrown. But he was saved by a giant fish who swallowed him 
He was in his belly for three days. It's like, oh, Jonah's turned it around. He's praising God inside of this because he can see his mercy and God puts him on dry land. So how could he obey anything that God tells him when he's done all this amazing things just in this present? So what more could God do to prove to him? Right? But, but I look at it like this. Growing up, my parents gave me everything that I needed. They loved me unconditionally. Right? If I did wrong, I had a lesson to learn in that, but I knew they still loved me and they would make it right. But guess what? When they asked me to do things I didn't want to do, I didn't give my best efforts, right? Even though I knew they loved me, when they told me to do the dishes, there was plenty of times I looked at it and said, a rinse will do, right? So, you know, so it's like I'm not giving my best efforts. I'm not scrubbing every dish. This one barely has the crumbs on it. A rinse will be fine. And listen, I apologize for that. We're fine, right? We're all here today, so we're okay. But, but you know, like that's just the truth of it. So plenty of the dishes went unclean because they looked like a wrench would be okay. And see, God can do amazing things even with our bare minimum, right? So God uses broken and frail people to spread his word. See, Jonah disobeyed. The sailors were scared for their life. And what was Jonah doing this time? He was sleeping. He knew what was going on. He knew what was causing this. And yet he slept, Jonah gave this ridiculous, cryptic message, and God still used him. See, Jonah viewed this world as either it's good versus evil. And he felt like he fell in this camp of, I'm good, the Ninevites are evil. See, he felt it was all on one side, and the Ninevites were on the other. But the world doesn't boil down to good and evil. Although we look at people in different ways, we are all alike, and we are all desperately messy people needing a merciful and gracious Savior. See, verse 5 tells us that the Ninevites believed God. A fast was proclaimed, and all of them, from the greatest to the least, put on sackcloth. When Jonah's warning reached the king of Nineveh, he rose from his throne, took off his robe, royal robes, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat down in the dust. This is the proclamation he issued in Nineveh. By the decree of the king and his nobles, do not let people or animals, herds or flocks, taste anything. Do not let them eat or drink. But let people and animals be covered in sackcloth let everyone call urgently on God. Let them give up their evil ways and their violence. Who knows? God may yet relent and with compassion turn from his fierce anger so that we will not perish. See, Jonah gave him this bare minimum message. Eight words. And the Ninevites believed God. Because no matter what Jonah could do or say, he can't overturn the power of God, right? Jonah was the one speaking. He spoke very little, but we see that it's the message of God that they responded to, starting with the king. See, Noah never believed the Ninevites would ever turn, but they believed God. They put on a sackcloth. So during this time, this was like a, a fashion statement to them. 
they would take off their robes and they, they talk about how the king took off his royal robes and they put on this sackcloth to show that they are going through spiritual grief. And it's not a comfortable garment. It was made of a really coarse goat's, uh, goat's fur, right? And it, it was just this sign that they were, they were spiritually lonely and broken. And it was a sign of repentance. So the king calls for a national repentance. And not only does he want all the people to fast and pray, but he also declares that even the animals need to fast. And see, the pattern in the Old Testament time is that a nation would either follow God because of their leader or they would fall to sin because of their leader. And, and that's not an excuse for us, right? We don't, look at our, we don't look at leaders in Congress and in the White House to determine how we believe, right? But we all have leaders around us in some way. Today in here, we have leaders in the workplaces. We have leaders in their departments. We have people who are leaders of their households, right? Parents, like we have kids that we are called to be leaders and guide them and show them what God's love is. And we also are just leaders of our own lives. See, Jonah did not even give them the courtesy of knowing who would destroy them. Right? He never once said, hey, it's the God of the heaven and earth. It's the almighty creator of this, of this universe that's going to destroy you. He never even mentioned God's name. But God still saw the repentance and they were turning from their wicked ways. When God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he relented and did not bring on them the destruction he had threatened. See, God responded and did not do what he had threatened. But as you know, right, Nineveh no longer exists, right? It's no longer a, a city. So God ultimately fulfilled his prophecy, right? Jonah was a prophet, and, and he knew that Nineveh would be overturned, and it did later on. But see, Jonah played a very minimal role in his parts. But we learn a lot about God through this. We learn that he's compassionate, he's slow to anger, and abounds in love and in patience. See, God loves the people of this wicked city. And 120,000 Ninevites responded. And this is also the way that God will say, hey, I've been patient enough. Now is the point of no return. Either you turn from your ways or I will pronounce judgment on you. See, Romans chapter 4 gives us this. It is written, as surely as I have lived, says the Lord, every knee will bow before me, every tongue will acknowledge God, so then each of us will give an account of ourselves in God. Right? God's promising us there's a day that we'll stand in front of Him and He will show His judgment on us. And we don't know when that time is that He's going to call us. We're not promised another day. See, I woke up this morning to the news that Matt Kidd had passed. I saw Matt on Friday evening at the ball game. I was lucky enough just to say hi in passing. But as he passed by, something told me, hey, you need to go speak to Matt. You need to tell him that you miss seeing him and invite him here today. So, you know, I looked for him. I couldn't find him. The ball game's over, and I walk outside, and guess who's standing there? Matt is. 
and he's standing there with a group of people. But guess what I did? I was ready to go home. I was tired from a long day. The game was exhausting. Even though, I mean, I didn't play, but the game was exhausting watching it. And, and I walked right past, thinking I'll get in next time. I'm sure I'll see him again. You know, but, but luckily, I know Matt has a relationship with Jesus. So I don't have to stand here with unbearable guilt saying, what if he didn't? Right? And we, we see these opportunities and I'm so bad about not even doing the bare minimum of what God tells me to do. And these are opportunities that we can't get back. So I stand before you because I couldn't do this very bare minimum. And see, this, this story of Jonah shows me that there's incredible power of God that when we allow God to work through us, even when we do give our bare minimum, an entire city can see repentance. But we just have to be willing to go. Right? We have to be willing to go and do what God asks of us. Then fulfill our callings on our lives. So can you imagine the change in our communities around us if we just allow God to guide our moves? Right? If we want to see lives transformed, we must get out of our way and go and do what God's telling us to do. Right? We have to be leaders in our community. We have to be leaders within our own homes and live and call for repentance. See, God kept his promise and Nineveh was overthrown. And God also promises that we are going to face judgment. And before we can share his goodness, share his mercy, his grace, and his love, we ourselves have to be transformed. So I don't know where you are in your own life. If there's something in your life that you know is not pleasing God, then repent of that. Right? If you're angry or upset at God, I tell my students this all the time, like you feel wrong telling God, I'm mad, I'm upset, I'm hurt. But God already knows that. He wants you to bring it to Him so that He can carry that burden along with you. Right? These altars are open for you. Go and listen to God. Because nothing would make me happier if you wanted me to pray with you, you want to pray by yourself. Because sometimes we just have to listen, right? Sometimes we just have to tell ourselves, hey, I'm going to step out of my comfort zone and go. I'm going to take that job. I'm not going to take that job. I will move to this city. I will stay home, right? Whatever it may be, it is on us to go, right? And there's no better time if you've ever... If you've never given your life to Christ, then right now. Right? And I would love to share with you, like my words will not save you. There's nothing I can do to help you or transform you, but I know a God that can. And I would love to share with you what that looks like. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for everything that you give us. We thank you so much for your life, for your son, and for the cross. And God, we are nothing without you. God, I just ask that the Holy Spirit moves and, and we can go and repent in the ways that you see that we need to. God, we love you and we thank you for all your blessings. In Jesus' name.